welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am very excited. Also, sorry, I almost like go into things and not introduce myself. So hello again. My name is Steph Sia. I am your host every single week. I am a former exotic dancer. My stage name was Kimchi. <laughs> it was great. I'm also a digital content creator and... Um, I guess, spreader of sex, work, (laughs) education, and things on the show. So hopefully you'll learn something new today. It's new episodes every Sunday. Um, But enough about this little spiel. I want to introduce the fabulous, fabulous, fabulous guest that I'm bringing on to the show. She's a friend of mine. She goes by the name of Jordan Kensley. You may have heard about her, especially if you're listening and you are a pole dancer. (laughs) She's a very, very well-known pole dancer. Also a huge activist. I sometimes have trouble just keeping up with everything that's going on. So that's why I just decided to invite her onto the show today to talk about what's up because there are a lot of things that are going on in America right now. The elections just passed. Um, I mean, at the time of recording, uh, there's a lot of things happening on Instagram that you may or may not have been aware about in terms of shadow banning, censorship. Gosh, there's just a lot of stuff that we need to cover today. Jordan, are you even there? (laughs) Yes. What's up? Hello. It's so great to have you on to the show again. Thank you so much for joining me this this morning. Yes, thank you for having me and being interested in the nonsense that I have to say. I'm very excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to make a lot of sense out of the nonsense today. So I feel like I might have butchered your intro. Uh, Can you (laughs) can you tell? Did Did I do okay? Great. I, I just feel it. biased. It's short to the point. It's perfect. Yay. You, you said my name correctly, so that's all I care about. Perfect. Perfect. You're welcome. <laughs> but I don't want to take that away from you. I want you to be able to define to the audience who you are, what you do, in your own words, on your own terms, and go. Um, okay. On my own terms and my own words. My name is Jordan Kensley. I'm a Gemini Sagittarius. I've been pole dancing since about 2011, 2012, one of those two. At this point, I feel like it's so long, I don't really remember. Um, And I started pole dancing actually by stripping because at that point, there weren't very many studios available to the to really anybody outside oh, of the major cities. What? So I started stripping in order to learn how to do pole dancing, and that is how my journey started. And then I moved to Los Angeles, and I found a pole studio, Yay. Uh, found a stripping job, did my muggle job, and <laughs> away we go. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, yeah, so almost 10 years later, I'm one of the top exotic instructors for pole in the world. Yes. Um, I tour internationally teaching uh, specialty workshops to hobby studios, and um, occasionally I'll do guest judging uh, or guest performances in both strip clubs and in um, pole competitions mm-hmm. or showcases. Yes. And since, uh, as of recently, apparently now I'm also an activist, um, which is <laughs> an interesting interesting term because you're not the first person to call me that, but for really? me, I, I just feel like, again, I'm using my loud voice to... Uh, just tell people about issues that I care about. But mm-hmm. for me, it doesn't feel like activism. It just feels like, why doesn't everyone else care about this? Totally. Um, That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and those things are like issues within the poll community in terms of race and equality and yes. um, 
and all of those issues that we're seeing mirrored in today's society as well. I feel like that's consistently perpetuating every industry and every every hobby that you could possibly have. So that's a big one for me right now. Absolutely. Um, and then as always, uh, sex work and again, the racial inequality, racial and gender inequality there. And then also just uh, the issues of how regular society sees sex work and um, all of the, the nuanced <laughs> conversations there. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So... How do you so want to get into this all? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I don't, gosh, what should we talk about? I mean, the election's pretty much on everyone's mind, so we can go from the election to shadow banning and, like, why yeah. Trump is so awful, and America's still a mess. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> like, they just finished counting. Like, it's like, what I, is yeah. going on? I'm What's glad happening? That know how to count. That's nice. So. Math is great, friends. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I feel like in 2016 when we counted, we got we just counted incorrectly and we ended up with Trump. Uh, yeah. And then we did like a recount. We were like, oh wait, it's fine. What's the worst <laughs> that can happen? Fast forward to America today. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know what it's, you guys have been through, but it's been um, obviously um, my podcast here is based in Canada, but there are a lot of listeners that are in the States as well. So, yeah, if you wanted to, if you wanted to go into a little bit about that, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, just just a smidgy just to uh, kind of catch people up and then we can go into how it's really affecting Instagram and the shadow ban keep things on topic. So yeah, that's all for sure. Let's shout forever about how Trump is the worst and Mitch McConnell should just not have his job anymore, but that's fine. <laughs> Anyways, fast forwarding. So um, if you're keeping up with the election in America, then you pretty much know that our our media stations uh, and our society has been very divided mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons. The big one is our president. Yes. Um, some people think he's extremely well qualified and a person of the people which for me is insane Ooh. because usually those people are also christian yes and he doesn't very much hold christian values in my opinion no but <laughs> oh say la vie so the other half of that <clears throat> is is uh people who don't think trump is good at his job yeah <laughs> like the rest of the world yes and, uh, <laughs> it's insane <laughs> Unfortunately, with the rise of Trump and his his racial rhetoric and the way he pins people of and different minorities against each other, mm-hmm. uses um, the current economic state of most individuals as a reasoning that other people are in at, in the wrong, really. When in, in fact, it's been his fault for four years now, right? Yeah. Um, so there's <laughs> yeah. that. But that rhetoric has been able to perpetuate. And permeate not only other societies, if you look at Peru, if you look at Lebanon, if you look what's happening at Hong Kong, mm-hmm. um, Ireland has issues. Like everywhere, I think Canada, you guys even have an, ups- an uprising in like very conservative, um, ugh, like not really good people. Yeah, <laughs> Kind no. of just showing up out of the woodwork. Yeah, which is well. shocking to me. <laughs> I was like, where were you so, guys before? Like, uh, I'm sorry. Like, right? it's, it's just crazy. It's just like, where did you guys all come it's, from? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I blame Trump, and you guys can too. <laughs> like everyone does. I'm on that train. But, uh, yeah, he's the worst. So with that, um, he is actively, even as president, been spreading false information that yes. scientists and other industry professionals have very clearly come out to say the opposite, mm-hmm. that he's wrong, this is the correct information, what have you. 
The problem with that is now our social media platforms um, have have since taken it upon themselves to ban any form of media that has to do with the election or come up with a warning on any sort of thing that you're sharing that has to do the election, depending on if you're on Facebook or or Twitter or Instagram. I did see some of that, actually. Any post that had election or something to do with the election, they're like, are you sure you want to share this? Please verify this news. Okay, yeah, we have been affected by that here in Canada as well. Weird. Yes. So that's primarily because of how often Trump and his supporters share false information that fits their narrative but doesn't Uh, fit the science. No. Um, Oh, my gosh. This is so frustrating. Yes, it's the whole thing. So because of our president's inability to control himself when spreading false information so that he looks better, even though it's terrible for our entire country and essentially the world uh, because of the impact that we have as a country, it's fine. Um, Instagram... (laughs) And Facebook have taken it upon themselves to ban certain things. Facebook is a little bit more lenient. Again, just sharing the, are you sure you want to post this kind of uh, warning before you are allowed to share. Instagram has taken it upon itself to ban all recent hashtags, regardless of what they're of, um, to stop the spread of false information. So you can see this on your Instagram, if you're at home listening right now, uh, (laughs) by going to your Instagram, going to the search bar, typing in whatever your heart desires Mm -hmm. in terms of a hashtag, and then going to uh, the hashtag section on like the search bar. And click on any of those photos, depending on how often your hashtag is used, you'll either see photos or you won't see any photos, but at the top there will be a little um, banner basically stating that all recent hashtags have been disabled Uh, And you will not be able to see them because of misinformation spreading too rapidly on the platform. That is wild to me. That's, oh my God. I just can't believe that has happened and that they can control that. Yeah, it's insane. Well, I mean, I feel like sex workers have known that we, that Instagram has been able to control people and, and censor accounts. Can you can Since you speak? Yeah, can can you speak a little bit about that? Because there are a number of civilians that listen to the podcast too that are probably unaware of what shadow banning is, what this type of censorship entails. So, mm-hmm. yeah, did you want to speak a little bit about the censorship of sex workers and even like the pole dancing community? Yes, absolutely. So um, the big thing with Instagram is, especially since the algorithms have been more uh, prominent mm-hmm. in, in recent years, yes. I, would, I think it's been almost four years since the first censorship started happening or started noticeably happening. Yeah. Um, Instagram has taken it upon itself to use the algorithm against uh, women, people of color, the LGBTQ community, the yes. disabled community, um, primarily focusing on any type of body positive profile, um, including sex positive profiles. Right. So the issue with that is that primarily <laughs> sex workers are the most body positive and sex work positive uh, accounts on the internet. Yes, we are. Rightfully so. It's our job. We don't give a shit. You're paying us to look naked and beautiful. Like, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> right? And that's I think in sex work especially, we're like, yeah, everybody's beautiful. There's definitely going to be someone out there willing to pay you for everything you are. You are definitely someone's type. So yes. like in, in the sex work industry, I don't feel like there's as as much stigma 
mm-hmm. um, on what type of body is being presented, of uh, whether it's a trans body, um, a thin body, a larger body, a black body, a brown body, like there's long hair, short hair, no hair, like yeah. <laughs> super fed to super mask, anything in between. In sex work, there's very clearly um, some type of fetish and fetishization, as I'm sure your other podcasts uh, have gone over. Oh, yes. So, like, Lots of that. Right? So, <laughs> so everybody wants to pay for something, you know? Yeah, of course. And with that, unfortunately, in our history as a society, and this is mostly worldwide, we don't allow women to be sexually expressive. And part of that is because mm-hmm. we do have a lot of power within our sexuality in terms of manipulation and control and persuasion. And it's very, it's a very veiled type of power. Whereas masculine power tends to be very, um, physical, very active, very dominant in your yeah, face. Very aggressive. Uh, very, mm-hmm. Different kind and of energy. So the, yes, totally. And everybody, in my opinion, has both a femme and a mask, um, energy yeah. about them. And it's just about who's able to harness what, that works for them. Mm-hmm. And again, that's basically sex work 101. <laughs> we have the full spectrum of everything for you. Um, it's okay. We need those refreshers every now and then. So thank you for that. <laughs> right? Sorry. Again, I just assume that civilians don't know anything. So if you're hearing this again and you're like, yeah, no shit, like this message is not for you. Um, <laughs> so what Instagram has done, and again, because we've actively censored and shamed femme bodies for most of the Mm -hmm. most of the recent centuries that as far back as we can really remember yeah it has now evolved to online censorship as well right and that's um it's kind of an interesting uh issue because it it delves into the issue of freedom of speech Mm -hmm. and how does that and freedom of art and how those affect instagram which is both a platform for speech and art yes and um but at the same time because it's a private platform it's able to be like restricted more strict yes more strict and restrictive in what it's allowing and disallowing and because of the society's hatred of women when the algorithms were created and activated and implemented into the system it automatically targeted sex work uh accounts yes women's accounts femme accounts anything that it and sex work specifically was targeted first and the hardest Mm -hmm. across the board whether you're um a femme or a mask sex worker you were probably fucked over oh yeah and still being fucked over yeah wave Um, number two is what i want to call it but we'll we'll get into that later continue (laughs) (laughs) so many tangents um so with that algorithm activating into uh the instagram accounts and the hashtags it started not only banning hashtags but it started banning the users of the hashtags yes so if you were using so it would first ban um let's say sunday bum day it's a very common oh, yeah sunday uh, bum hashtag day. that's used yep yeah dancers use it yogis use it sex workers <laughs> use it um pretty much if you have a bum and you've been on a sunday <laughs> you have a Sunday bum day. Yeah. Um, so I miss that hashtag. The, <laughs> yes. So the hashtag started getting flagged because of how often people were reporting the different images with that hashtag that mm-hmm. came up on like the home search bar of Instagram. Right. Where yeah. it's just like, here's some random accounts that you may or may not follow. Look at this butt. And the number of people that started reporting those 
those photos again usually sexually empowered women yep. <laughs> and sex workers. Yes. Uh, the more often those photos were, um, oh, fuck my brain. I'm sorry. I'm no, just like that's off, okay. already in the next sentence. Uh, <laughs> the more often that those um, photos and those accounts were um, flagged, yeah. the more often the hashtag got flagged. And eventually what ended up happening is fast forward, the number of accounts that are flagged, uh, and those photos that are flagged and those hashtags are flagged, not only is the individual who's using the hashtag fucked over and shadow banned from the hashtag, meaning that if I use on one of my photos, Sunday bum day, mm-hmm. and I'm already shadow banned or I've been flagged multiple times before, my photo will no longer appear on that hashtag. You will not yes. be able to see it, regardless of if you're following me or not. Yeah. And on vice versa, Instagram has also taken to banning entire hashtags yep. like Sunday Bum Day. Yes. And that um, really came into a wide public view uh, outside of the sex work industry maybe a year or two ago when the pole industry had yeah. like a whole fit. Yeah, we had a um, whole uproar because like, as you said, like on our home screen or the Explore page, like we wouldn't be seeing those images or videos that were often recommended to us before. And that was a lot of ways like where I could draw my inspiration from or find new accounts. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they just like disappeared. I'm like, what's happening here? Yes. And strippers tried to warn the pole dancing industry. Mm -hmm. And what, so the timeline is sex workers and strippers were immediately affected by the shadow ban in terms of the hashtag ban and the account ban. Fast forward slowly then permeating into the exotic pulse hobby side of things because mm-hmm. a lot of strippers are also hobby polis. Yes. And a lot of hobby polists tend to go into stripping after they realize that there's nothing wrong with it and they're doing it anyways and you're a culture vulture. It's fine. <laughs> um, That's another topic. No big deal. That's another and, topic. Uh, <laughs> so then the exotic pole industry started noticing the same Uh, effects on their accounts that the sex work industry had already been warning people about. Mm -hmm. So slowly but surely, the way that Instagram is shadow banning and censoring different accounts and specifically sexually empowered women's accounts is expanding and growing. And what ended up happening in, in the poll community is that Instagram then went on to shadow ban the athletic side of poll, the people who are wearing shorts that cover their entire ass and like usually like t-shirts they're they're more athletic in terms of doing um tricks and combinations and without shoes primarily it's more of a contemporary dance style gymnastics dance style the purpose of sexual intention is not there the same yeah yes exactly when and so basically the pole industry took a very similar stance as regular society where, well, it's not happening to me and you're a whore anyway, so you deserve it. And then lo and behold, oh, look, it happened to you because you're the same as me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sexuality does not dictate morality and you're just as fucked here too. And so the pole industry on the athletic side of things also got fucked with the algorithm and the shadow ban and it ended up shadow banning every pole dancing hashtag regardless of what it was yeah whereas previously it was primarily only shadow banning exotic Exotic. hashtags right so all of a sudden now the pole industry gives a shit (laughs) that anything's happening in terms of the shadow ban and the algorithm and what i find is that that's very similar in regular society as well where Mm -hmm. there's a, a very huge lack of 
communal empathy yep. and passion and compassion. And uh, so it's interesting to watch the similarities between like the degrees of difference between sex work and pole dancing versus mm-hmm. the degrees of difference in terms of societal issues that are happening specifically in America that have to do with this election where it's social justice and equal rights versus monetary value. Mm-hmm. And so the idea and the similarities are kind of interesting to think about and reflect on from your own life is because like at what point are you really that different from the person next to you True. other than what you're comfortable with? And if you're a consenting right. adult, then it doesn't then it shouldn't make that big of a difference. If I'm comfortable and whoever my audience is is also comfortable, mm-hmm. then we have a consensual transactional relationship, even on Instagram. Yeah. I'm posting these photos and hoping for likes in return or hoping for shares and comments in return. That is still a transactional relationship. The difference is that because it's not a monetary transaction, people are more comfortable with it. And yeah. I, I urge you accepted, as a civilian right? to ask yourself why, mm-hmm. because your time and your effort and your energy is just as valuable. And if you think that you expend less energy in your office job, in terms of the mental abuse that you're probably going through. Yep. <laughs> and then you compare it to what you assume is the abuse that sex workers go through. And there's definitely a lot of issues there, but primarily mm-hmm. they don't come from the sex worker side. They come from the, how the civilian side treats sex workers. Exactly. And you can see how obvious that was when you look back on how the athletic side of pole dancing also treats sex workers in, and oh tries gosh. to continually divide themselves yeah. from that, or that se- part of the community or, or separate yes. them correct yeah. and, and I very hate that. much it's an othering attitude when in reality we're doing very similar work we're all dancing we're all being like you're going to be sexualized with you whether you're doing exotic pole sex work yeah. and stripping or, or uh, not <laughs> athletic pole like I guarantee you someone's looking at you doing a flip off of the pole and being like damn that bitch is strong I'd fuck the shit out of her you yeah. know like that's gonna happen no matter what and the problem isn't with us being sexualized and it shouldn't be with you being sexualized, the issue is with how people are sexualizing us. Right. And that's a clear issue consistently throughout society because a lot of times sex workers lack certain rights and Mm -hmm. um, have to fight much harder for the same rights as everyone else because we are the ones constantly being sexualized. And instead of people putting it back on themselves and looking, well, why am I sexualizing her? Mm -hmm. One, it's our job. You're welcome. Just pay us for it. But (laughs) two, why do I dislike the fact that that's happening? And why am I blaming that person when I should be blaming the person who's sexualizing her? And Mm -hmm. it's not that we shouldn't be sexualizing sex workers. It's literally our job. Like, please continue to do that. Again, just pay us for it. But, (laughs) But the animosity that is, that comes with, that conversation is what we need to change. And it needs to go from a negative conversation to a positive one. Right. And just looked at as a regular job. Because if it was a regular job, then we wouldn't have to be dealing with the same fucking bullshit in Instagram and how the shadow ban is affecting us. uh, Oh my God. Amen. Right? (laughs) As we do in regular society, like when we don't get the same work benefits as any other industry. And it's harder for us 
to even be seen in the eyes of the law as people or as an industry. And so all of these things are constantly interconnected. No, they are. I'm I'm so glad you really connected all the dots there because I was like getting confused at one point. I was like, no, she just dialed it back then and she just connected everything. And I was like, this this makes sense. It's a a lot of different tangents. And again, going super slow at the beginning, kind of overly explaining just to make sure I don't lose anybody (laughs) when I bring it all back. Um, because there is, it's also the issue of like sex workers and women are more likely to be, and especially women of color, Mm -hmm. um, or trans women are especially and most likely to be silenced and diminished first, but they will almost always also be the precursor to silencing and diminishing the rest of society. And so again, going back to Instagram and the election issues, like that is a clear and direct result of the rest of society not caring yep. about sex workers initially being shadow banned because it's not affecting them yet. And now there's a clear and direct effect to your Instagram and your profile that has nothing to do with your information or what you're sharing and everything to do with silencing and diminishing your voice as a people because our voices are stronger together. And unfortunately, especially in America, our government has proven time and time and again that they are no longer civil servants like they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And they're clearly using the government and the laws and changing things to make themselves richer at the expense of the people they're supposed to be protecting. Oh, my gosh. There's so much to, no, there's just, there's so much to unpack here. So much. And there's a couple points that you made, and I really want you to kind of elaborate more on that as well, because obviously... So you have, <laughs> I was like, where do I start? Where do I, where do I go from here? I remember at the beginning when I was like, it won't be that heavy. I, I totally made I jokes. Know. <laughs> <laughs> that was before oh. we started, but like, oh my gosh, I just love how impassioned you are by this. And I could, I could feel the fire and we need more voices like you. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I just get mad. I just get mad. Like, why that's okay. Why is it so hard for other people to like just care? No, Fuck. I agree. I completely agree with you. And uh, I feel like maybe some people feel like they don't have as strong of a voice. Or sometimes they might think that they can't make a difference. But uh, we'll yeah, get into it. Honestly, I feel the same a lot. I feel the same a lot. I feel like I'm just screaming into a wall. And then every fucking once in a while. Because um, I... I I do structural integration on the side, which is a form of oh, like yeah. biomechanical physical release. It's like a, if you, we'll call it massage right now. It's not, but like that's <laughs> easy way to think about it is it's a massage. And most of my clients are over the age of 60. So mm-hmm. when the lockdown happened in LA, it never really lifted. Um, and mm. because I have so many clients that are at risk, I made it a point not, I promise there's a point to the story, by the way, <laughs> not to, um, go out in public and to see people, like to see many people. Like I kept yeah. my circle very small. small. I only go out for like the three appointments that I have every week because they're medically related. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so I understand feeling like you're not doing anything, feeling like you're not doing enough because if it were up to me, um, and I didn't have the responsibility to these other people in my life, I'd be out on the lines protesting every fucking day, but I right. have to, redirect my energy as best as I can so that I feel like I'm still fighting for the people that I care about and for the issues that I care about while still protecting not only like my own income when we're in the middle (laughs) of a fucking pandemic, but also the people that count on me, um, and, and are requiring my support in their own lives. So it's, I understand feeling trapped between those 
those two issues. But yeah. if all that you're doing right now is posting and sharing pertinent information to the issues that you care about, specifically and hopefully issues of race and racial inequality that's happening in America specifically and yep. also all over the world, yep. uh, issues of pro- police brutality, again, all over the world, um, the corruption in government, like <laughs> the issues in the LGBTQ community, how trans men and women are treated in society and within the LGBTQ community, like yes. what's happening in Thailand, what's happening in Peru, what's happening in Lebanon, like what's there's happening so in much. Ireland, Poland, just, Poland yep. uh, and all abortion. Like, yep. There's so much to think about and to care about. And it's so obviously interconnected when you start opening your eyes to other places around the world. But even if that feels overwhelming and too much, like super hyper focus in and pick one topic that you care about that, that really feeds your soul or that really impassions you, whether it's because it's something that happened to you or because you're protecting your friends, what have you, like you, you can still make a difference just by hyper-focusing on one issue For sure. and sharing that information and then having those difficult conversations and calling out people with um, correct information yes. when they're uh, hurting someone, regardless of intention. Yeah. You know? So there, I, and I promise like every once in a while, someone will message me like, Hey, I learned a lot from what you've been posting. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Which is again, why I'm like, it's weird to think that I'm an activist. <laughs> uh, but I guess I am now because I can talk about it enough. Um, Which is great. But again, yeah, it's just shit that I care about. And so it's the same kind of thing. Like you, you, if you're a pole dancer, you, like look at all the times you've posted about pole dancing and then compare that to all the times you've posted about an issue that you care about. Yeah. Like the effort is along for the ride, you know, like you have to put the effort in to see the change and to see the difference that you're going to make. Absolutely. But I definitely encourage you to do it. Sorry. Yeah. I know I'm No, that's okay. That's just all great (laughs) advice too. Cause I I even think what you said there about hyper-focusing, even just thinking about like your own community, like here in Vancouver, there's so many issues Mm -hmm. or even just in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. There's so many issues that we can, we can kind of like uh, hone down on that you can also focus your efforts on or at least do more research or kind of um mm-hmm. yeah you know just like contribute in a way there's there's always ways to kind of help out so um yes and and just talking to your friends and family about the same shit like it doesn't have to be a random fucking stranger or maybe you yeah. feel better talking to random fucking strangers in which case you go and you troll the internet okay <laughs> we, we need people like you too need more trolls <laughs> <laughs> No, totally. And he brought up so many great issues. I actually just did an episode a couple of weeks ago now. I mean, at the time of recording, which will be released, yeah, next month. But um, on the whole issue with the anti-abortion laws that happened in Poland, some activism that's going there. So I'm glad you brought that up. But um, I guess we'll we'll loop it back to this episode because <laughs> I want. <laughs> I want to take advantage while you're here to speak about some things. So I didn't know that you started off as a stripper. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to speak a little bit about that and then how you found your job in L.A. and what it's like there and how how sex workers are treated in L.A. and also the the emerging laws as well? So Yes, all the things. Let's talk about that. Okay, so (laughs) my play-by-play from the beginning. Um... (laughs) 
<laughs> so I went to school for uh, in the University of Arizona in Tucson, and I have a Bachelor of Science in Equine Science with an emphasis in the racing industry, meaning horse racing and dog racing. What? And then I also have a Bachelor of Arts in Theater Arts with an emphasis in Technical Directing and Set Design. And then I have a business minor. Whoa. All Wait, of that matters because I was I clearly had a very specific job in mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a pretty bad accident. I was mauled by a dog. Uh, oh my god. In college. Yeah, I mean it's not the dog's fault. This is Oh why wow. pe- one more reason why people should uh, take better care of the things in their life. Yeah. Uh, oh and my gosh. have responsibilities to animals, but what have you. Um <laughs> And so it basically affected my entire college career. And so I had to kind of change gears. And because I was almost done with all three of these um, different degrees Mm -hmm. within a four-year time period, I having to switch gears really kind of fucked me up mentally and emotionally. Um, and I got extremely depressed and everything, but I was lucky enough that one of my friends, Kelsey Erickson, who still lives in Tucson and shout out, she also owns her own pole and aerial studio. So check her out. Cool. Um, (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) she was stripping at the time and offered me pole dancing classes just outside of her home, just for fun, just to be like, you can still do stuff. Like, let's get your arm back. You'll be able to dance it out. What have you. And I don't have a movement background prior to this other than horseback riding. Wow. So I just, (laughs) she showed me a video on the internet of one of uh, the original pole stars um, who also has a huge role in bringing pole dancing to Cirque du Soleil. Her name's Janine Butterfly. Yeah. She was the big fan, big fan. Original pole dancer, I definitely in the Michael Jackson show. And I yes. want to say she was also who convinced Cirque to include pole dancing in their Zumanity show. But don't quote me on that. So um, cool. <laughs> she's incredible. Check her out also. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, but I saw a video of her. I was amazed by it. It was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my entire fucking life. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I need to be able to do that. And so I like, and Kelsey was the one to show me the video. So she offered me the lessons for fun, just so we could hang out, just like helping me as a friend and as a human to kind of overcome the shit that was going through my life. And slowly but surely, like we all do, I became obsessed with pole dancing. Yes. (laughs) Um, And previous to this, I hated my body, hated myself, like the, you know, the MO of every girl living in America or every minority living in America Mm -hmm. ever. If you're not like a white straight man, you're pretty much, and even if you are a white straight man, at one point, I'm sure you hated yourself too. So I was there. We've all been there. Right. And pole kind of helped me out of that, but I wasn't, and it was like one of those things where I'm obsessed and I need to do it more. And Kelsey obviously had, she's going to school, I was going to school. We had like our one lesson a week, but it was not enough. Needed more. Need more. Give me more. Needed more. And so she suggested coming with her to um, just a day shift at one of the clubs in Tucson just so we would have more time to practice and she would stay for the night shift after. And then that way I could offer her a ride. What, what, whatever, whatever. And like, I mean, if you've been on a day shift, you know the drill. It's the three people who are there already have girls. They're like already hustled out. Like they don't give a shit about your face. Um, you don't know enough to show them your ass. Like yeah. you're just a baby stripper. So I'm there just working my ass off. And then by that, like by that time I had just graduated officially from college with all the same degrees that I mentioned previously, but wow. more of an emphasis on the business side of things instead of the actual fun side of things, which is a bummer. <laughs> oh. um, but I had pole. 
So it was fine. And then I got a job offer at the racetracks in LA. Mm -hmm. So I moved out here. And before I left, everybody had already known of most of the studios in LA. So they were like, go to this studio, go to that studio, train with this person. Oh my God, all the best strippers are there. Ah, (laughs) check out all these clubs. So like everyone's just excited for me to go and live their dreams. That's awesome. And when I was there, I found, obviously, studio environment. I found some of the clubs that I'd worked at previously and just kind of really excelled as a, a pole dancing artist. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I, I don't want to say I excelled as a stripper because it wasn't my intention to do that. And it wasn't really my dream at that point to really be as into the sex work industry as I am now as the baby stripper. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> like I, I was very much the one who separated pole dancing from stripping when I started both of them, especially when I finally went to a studio environment, because again, in Tucson at that time, there weren't really any studios open. Right. Which is why I went to the strip club instead. So <laughs> when I went to pole dancing classes, I was there to be an athlete. I didn't want to do floor tricks. I didn't want to do low flow. I just wanted to learn hardcore tricks I'm being a gymnast this is my workout stop talking to me no I don't wear shoes here oh my god and then when I'm at the club like that's obviously my time to just slut it up on the floor and barely do anything and like thank you for your money sir yes (laughs) I love that more I love more thank you um no I'm not strong at all I can barely lift my body I'm so weak please save me captain save a hoe thank you more money and then I'd use all that money for pole dancing studio classes there we go perfect (laughs) you know uh so then since then, in 2015, I quit my job at the racetrack. I started pole dancing full-time and teaching full-time. So mm-hmm. now I teach uh, internationally, again, hobby studios. And mm-hmm. then since COVID and probably within the last two years, I've really hyper-focused on sex work and the sex work industry and kind of equalizing that, especially within the pole community, and then also kind of focusing on uh, how to change society's mind. Okay. Um, but specifically, I noticed heavily uh when I was quote unquote growing up in the pole industry that I was one of the only exotic dancers um that competed in exotic style Mm -hmm. uh at that time and this is because like previous to my time was very exotic heavy and then around when I started is when contemporary became king Um, and a lot of barefoot dancing really started to emerge yes it really emerged and really took over and it really expanded the pole industry as a whole Mm -hmm. okay um but with that expansion also came the virgin versus the whore mentality of othering which we mentioned previously yes this podcast I won't get into it too much again but that really upset me because of my background and be like and because I knew that the attitude existed I had it again myself to a certain extent in terms of separating sex work from pole work and again I I do believe that they're different but the intention uh or rather the history behind them is very clearly on the same path like pole pole dancing is the daughter of stripping and like sure maybe (laughs) if you're a pole dancer and you're into the athletic side of things like you can consider um indian pole and chinese pole Mm -hmm. uh the uncles of pole dancing but they're not the fucking mom no no thank you for saying that sex work (laughs) is the mother of pole dancing and the other two are uncles in the same way that hip-hop and contemporary and gymnastics are cousins like know your history yeah and so it really upset me that so many people were trying to separate 
the, the um, pole dancing from stripping and from sex work. And so really breaking down those ideas of one, the need to other, and two, changing the direction of the questions that we get asked. So the like, I'm sure regardless of your background or what you do on in your life, mm-hmm. if you have posted a single photo of you near a pole, someone has asked, oh are you like a stripper or something yes oh my god that gets old so fast (laughs) so fast you guys are not clever stop doing that yeah and also why does it fucking matter yeah like you've never been to a strip club like you've never seen porn like you've never seen a nipple and i know you have because everyone has nipples you've seen yourself naked you've seen a nipple how dare you (laughs) right so So, true so kind of like really helping the pole industry learn how to one, have these conversations and how to redirect that problematic question into Mm -hmm. either just shutting it down entirely. So they just go away. Or (laughs) if you're willing to put the energy in how to have that conversation with that person to change their view, at least, Oh, just a little bit. And maybe they won't ask that question again. And maybe they'll just change entirely. And we'll be super pro sex work now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll finally understand the difference between sex trafficking and sex work. Oh, that's the goal. Maybe. That's the goal. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, just for, again, those at home in the audience, sex trafficking is a coerced situation where mm-hmm. the people involved are not in a non-consensual transactional experience, whereas sex work in its positive form, because sex work is work and sex trafficking is not work, it's mm-hmm. slavery, uh, yep. sex work is a consensual transaction between two adults Yes, uh, that happens in a, like, however that transaction needs to take place, whether it's online, in person, full service sex work, stripping, camming, so many different forms, what have you, you know, just as a FYI, (laughs) if that's a question you've ever asked. Um, A few years ago, California passed a few, well, really the California Supreme Court had a case in it. And I'm not going to get into the super details of the case, but basically a group of independent contractors, truck drivers, were being used for a truck driving business. Okay. And the business actively hired them as independent contractors, but used them as employees. So they were all on schedules. They were told when and where they had to be. Mm. They were told what they had to accomplish. Like nothing as like, you're not going to tell a plumber when they have to be at your house and what exactly they're going to do. That's literally why you hired them. They'll get there when they get there. Yeah, exactly. And you'll pay them for their time. Yeah. And they'll tell you what's wrong because that's why you hired them. Exactly. So this group of marginalized workers ended up suing the company because they were misclassifying as employees. Mm. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court of California. And the Supreme Court of California decided that, in fact, they were employees. Right. And so they changed the definition of an independent contractor in California statute. Okay. And it went from being just whatever we know as an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. And now the new definition is that if your business definition and the independent contractor's job de- description match then you are not an independent contractor. You are an employee. employee. So if I'm a hairdresser and I work at a hair salon, I am now an employee. I'm not an independent contractor. If I am a stripper working at a strip club, I'm no longer an independent contractor. I'm now an employee. Okay. Okay. Yes. And this law was put into place with little to no concern on how it would really affect the rest of the independent contractor communities. Yeah, for Um, sure. 
But with that in mind, I still, especially after having so many conversations, because at first I was very myself anti this law. I didn't want to be an independent, like I didn't want to be an employee. I wanted to be an independent contractor. I wanted to make my own schedule, have my own rules, decide what I wanted to wear, what I wanted to dance to, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not going to sit here and try to sell your tables unless it suits me and if you're only if you're the only one getting the money then you can go fuck yourself which is kind of what's happening okay so okay previous to this law previous to this law uh again because sex workers are constantly trying to just get the same rights as every other fucking job mm-hmm. um our club <laughs> environment was basically stealing wages and most oh, club no. environments do yep in the way that like if you're paying a plumber you're not going to be like, oh, well, you came to my house and I opened the door for you. So that's going to be a $20 door opening fee. And I also <laughs> gave you the work. So that'll be like a 10% tip out. Thank you. Oh, um, and my boyfriend was playing music in the background. So if you could just give him like a five, that'd be great. Because, oh you know, atmosphere. Um, <laughs> right? Oh, and, man. And so a lot of wage theft was consistently and still is consistently happening within the sex work and the stripping communities. And it's one of the things that people who are trying to unionize across the globe Mm -hmm. for strippers and sex workers are trying to change is one, the stigma in general in society and two, how much wages we have stolen from people who are not supposed to be managing us so so with this law a lot of issues happened a lot of clubs didn't do anything about it and maintained an independent contractor status with most of their uh strippers okay but then threatens the strippers if they were to go to a lawyer to claim this misclassification so there was a lot of subversion in the messaging okay uh, in terms of like how sex workers were getting the information, how the information was going to affect them. Like it's basically what we're dealing with now where it's a lot of misinformation getting to the wrong people who need the information, but they're trusting the source when in reality and in the perfect world, it would just be easier to access this. But because it's so difficult to really get one, even understand Mm -hmm. how the fuck they wrote this law, but two, where am I going to find it? Uh, Except in some variation on the internet of someone else's interpretation so good with with (laughs) that lack of information in my opinion came a lot of discord within the stripping community in LA to begin with okay basically between those of us who wanted to stay an independent contractor and didn't like the law change and then those of us who wanted the employees like the employee uh title because it meant and means that we will be able to get better rights eventually Right. Which is what we're working on now. Yeah. So I started in the one side where I didn't really want to be an independent, like I wanted to maintain my independent contractor status. So I stopped stripping when all of that happened. Okay. Additionally, I had personal shit happen in my life that was just like, oh, you know what? It's me time. (laughs) You know. That's allowed. We all get there every once in a while. That's allowed. We'll end up back there eventually. Um, (laughs) Hashtag 2020. Right. And... uh, (laughs) Right, and now since having these conversations, since looking into the law myself, and and again because all of a sudden now I'm an activist, um, <laughs> I really do believe that classifying strippers as employees will give us better and more rights if we can get on the same page. Mm-hmm. And so what's currently happening in LA is strippers are still considered employees. Okay. LA County entirely is shut down still, so strip clubs are not allowed to be open. Okay. At all. 
if you're going to a strip club in quote unquote LA, you are not in LA. You're in the OC. They don't wear masks there. I suggest you. Oh, don't. Um, what? So they don't? No, because oh my gosh. they don't get. We don't get political in the OC. Oh um, God. So like, I just you know it's really I just don't want to like it hurts to breathe when I'm thinking about other people wearing a mask. You oh know? my like, God. So I just I don't. Um, cringe, 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 cringe. <laughs> my, part- my partner's laughing in the back. <laughs> oh, Those are all, by the way, real quotes that I heard from a woman on the plane recently. Seriously? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm God. dead serious. That, there's a real conversation sitting right next to us. Uh, oh, dear. Anti-maskers are another yay. category of people. <laughs> Yes. Again, that lack of uh, communal empathy. Yes. <laughs> also, otherwise known as selfishness. Anywho. Yes. <laughs> so, so back uh, to unionizing. Current, yes. So back to unionizing. So currently we have quite a few groups in L.A., one that are trying to help sex workers and strippers in general mm-hmm. because we have been severely fucked over for yeah. lack of a more appropriate term by <laughs> COVID and the pandemic and the shutdown. Yes. Um, any of our help from our governmental help or otherwise actively discluded sex workers. Oh my um, gosh. To the point where there's literally questions and you have to be able, you have to check mark a box that says that you have never done any form of sensualized work in oh, your God. life. Is that the language so, that they use? Yeah, it's some it's something similar to that. I haven't read it again since like I think the last God. time was in June when I tried to apply again, but even me as a business owner mm-hmm. who owns a health industry business was denied when I tried to apply for an SBA loan because me as a person has a plot like has paid for taxes from my stripping career. God. And also pole dancing is considered a sensualized work. So a lot of times Ugh. pole dancing studios Get if out they of didn't here. have Yeah, so if <sighs> pole dancing studios and owners didn't have the proper connections to find somebody who could help them work through these issues with either the SBA loan program or the governmental loan program, what mm-hmm. have you, then they were severely fucked over yeah. and marginalized because pole dancing is considered a sensual work even though we're classified as a gym. And so not only are we getting fucked over because we're not allowed to open because we're group class gyms. Yep. We are also getting fucked over because we're classified as, as a pole industry as centralized work. Uh, And so we cannot apply for most of these loans to help us. And so you guys are getting really fucked. Yeah. But there's more? There's more. So then um, in terms of pandemic assistance, I'm lucky in that I live in California and there is a huge amount of independent contractor work here, even with the law change. Okay. Christ. So our (laughs) pandemic assistance uh, is different from our unemployment, but they run under the same umbrella and they're, they're pulling from the same fund or same tax fund. Yes. Okay. Okay. And so we have unemployment, which is paid for by employees, which again, if you were a stripper and your strip club actively made that change, you're now getting unemployment for the first time in your fucking life wow. from a strip club, which is what should be happening all the motherfucking yeah, time. Regardless. <laughs> right. If your strip club denied you that right to employee titles, then you are fucked over and you are on pandemic assistance, which has been severely diminished to like, I think $300 a week or something, which oh if God. you live in LA, that's $1,200, which isn't even the price of rent for a studio apartment. No, that's nothing. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah. 
So I'm appalled. America. Oh, we, can afford, we can afford billions of dollars for our war machine, also known as, uh, you know, our government. But God forbid we protect the citizens and give them free health care. It'll be too expensive. Oh, God. Thanks, <sighs> Trump. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. That's, wow. That's a lot of stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, super Holy fast. crap. So, oh, my god. Anyways, COVID. So with all of these law changes and all of these changes to just society and how we live right now in general, because 2020 happened, we have quite a few people who are actively trying to make changes for the betterment of sex work within our community, specifically um, in LA. I know Swap LA, which is a sex workers outreach program. There's one in almost every democratic country. And then within major major countries or larger countries like the u.s we have one in almost every city every major city so we have swap la there's um swap portland swap new york you're getting swap brooklyn like new york i think has four different ones each one for each borough five boroughs i can't math Um, (laughs) but looking into sex worker outreach program okay especially if you're a civilian trying to find a way to help marginalized people it's more of a grassroots program that is actively and consistently and consciously making a difference and putting their money where their mouth is in terms of what they're fighting for and who they're fighting for. That's awesome. If you're just looking for other things to to donate to sidebar, uh, I highly suggest looking for set like grass grassroots programs Mm -hmm. and uh, for us bias organizations over the larger organizations that you hear of all the time. 100%. And part of that is just because like those smaller programs are more likely to help people directly Whereas yeah. the larger programs are more often trying to cha- make consistent governmental national wide changes. Um, right. So just the level of playing field is different between those two types of organizations. So highly Absolutely. suggest and recommend grassroots for us by us. Do your thing. Thank Anywho. you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'll be sure to Sorry. plug those links in the show notes too. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'll Anytime. send you like a list of all the sh- all the random shit that I've randomly mentioned. <laughs> please, please do. Um, so, <laughs> well, Swap LA is a really great one here. And then our other organization that's making a huge difference right now is Soldiers of Pole. And, okay. Um, Soldiers of Pole. Right that down. consists uh, Antonia Crane, who is a, lo- a lawyer and a stripper. So everyone who works at Soldiers of Pole is a strip worker, a stripper or a sex worker of some kind. I know a strip worker. Um, (laughs) I can talk. And they're currently fighting to unionize sex work and strip clubs within California and helping other organizations and other cities organize the same way to consistent, like to unionize at a nationwide level. Okay. And um, so that is Soldiers of Pole. And uh, the main person that I know best is Anne-Marie Davies. Yes. um, I will suggest, (laughs) yes, I highly suggest trying to get her on this podcast. She is an incredible human. She's extremely knowledgeable, extremely experienced. Mini elevator pitch for Anne-Marie Davies. I will be reaching out to (laughs) her after this. (laughs) She is um, a sex worker advocate. She's also a sex worker herself. She's also an amputee Um, for the pole Mm -hmm. dancing industry. She was the original creator and owner of United Pole Artists, UPA. And for those in the sex work industry, obviously, she's she's already well known. She's been stripping for longer than I feel like I've even known that pole dancing was a thing. Yes. Um, And... And she's been consistently featured. And then on top of that, she's a huge advocate for sex work 
just in her own right, as well as how she works with other people. So I highly suggest, as a listener, please look her up. Yes. Um, she also has her own podcast. Yes, she does. Stripper. Uh, <laughs> and again, I'm just going to push for that collaboration. I will me, reach out to her. That's my fantasy. Thank you. <laughs> you are so welcome. Now I have a reason to reach out to her. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Like, Jordan wouldn't stop talking about you. She's minorly obsessed. She was uh, gushing. Are you okay? And would you like to be? <laughs> I'm going to quote that and then send her that message. <laughs> um, she's just, she's a really good person. She's really, she's just a good person. She's a good stripper. She's a fucking great stripper. Uh, her porn face is like next level. Like it's anyways, well back on topic. So okay. she's doing a lot of great work here in LA as well. Um, awesome. And, and again, more active work. Yes. Uh, with her te- her and her team and the other people of Soldiers of Paul are really making it a point to unionize strippers and sex workers in California so that we can get better rights and, and stop the wage theft that's happening in clubs. Yeah, So going awesome. back to that real quick, what clubs have since started doing since the uh, employee change is now they're charging us a sales fee. Okay. Um, so we have to sell a number of champagne rooms or vip tables what have you different different requirements for different clubs or we're not allowed to work on night shift so we have to pre-sell those tables just to get a shift to begin with which again not how regular yeah not how regular jobs work even if you are a fucking sales job that's fucking ridiculous Unless you're in an MLM or a pyramid scheme, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> That's the only time no. you have to buy product and <laughs> exactly. sell product before you're allowed to make money. So but ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so not only would they charge a sales, like a sales charge, they would also charge the number of lap dances that I make. Mm-hmm. The first four to five lap dances, depending again on the club, is okay. going directly to my hourly wage. And I don't make any of that money. What? The fuck <laughs> yeah, is so wrong with that to... system? Yep, so now I'm required to get at least five lap dances or I don't get paid. And I get and it's like literally two hours of payment. It's oh all God. that they pay, even though the shift is like still six hours. It's super fuck. That is super fuck. Um, something I'm still kind of I'm still personally confused about, but that I would suggest asking Anne Marie about okay. is how strippers are being paid because in some clubs that I've heard, they're getting paid the same wage as servers. Which in America, because we have a terrible tipping system, oh dear. Um, our servers get paid $2 an hour. What? And their tips are supposed to make up for the rest of the minimum wage. Are you fucking kidding state. me? No, it's super fucked. Is that Yay. even loud? Oh my God, I am appalled. Yes, like... because our government cares about profits and not people, Jesus. obviously. Oh my God. Like, as, so as a heard... former server, I'm just like, that's like it's, literally yeah. pennies. <laughs> What the fuck? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, Real talk. And um, (laughs) there's so much wrong with America (laughs) and our systems and what we do. (laughs) So so I've heard from some people that that is how clubs are paying people, which means that, like, I'm working for six hours and I'm getting $10. Basically. Because taxes are getting taken out of that as well. Yeah, literally, Um, though. And I have to pay for that myself within the six, five, just like the four to five lap dances that I'm required to give just to be at the club. So now instead of paying uh, a house fee and then tipping out, 
I'm paying a sales fee and still basically tipping out. Jesus. So it's a lose-lose um, situation. It is a lose-lose situation. <laughs> Big loss. No matter what, the, the managers and the owners of strip clubs are still actively able to manipulate the system without check. Because, mm-hmm. again, society says that sex work is not work. So why would we care about you? Jesus. <laughs> Until <sighs> then, we see the same shit happening to servers to independent contractors, to, to <laughs> those of us who are relying on unemployment, you know, like regular people things. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> so oh again, as God. a civilian, if you're listening, I actively urge you to pay attention to what's happening in the sex work industries and to my to marginalized groups because guaranteed it will eventually in some way or another happen to you as well when the government decides that you're no longer useful oh or a threat. <laughs> I am sorry for all of this. That's okay. like, I just feel like, wow, that system yeah. in the States fucked. America! <laughs> I guess, like, with that, we can move on to some um, Q&A. Yeah, I've got Q&A. Cool. I don't cool. know what else I could possibly... <laughs> talk about it. Oh, like, we can go on for another like of America. <laughs> we can go on for another few hours, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I, I, try, I usually try to warn people. I'm like, are you sure? How long's your podcast? I talk a lot. <laughs> Which I always welcome, so it's okay. Again, I I told you guys, Gemini Sagittarius. It's just what I do. <laughs> I can't help myself. I can't blame astrology because I can. <laughs> I'm here for it. So. Okay, I guess we'll start with questions here. There's a few that came in. So I guess who are some of your pole idols? Ooh, ooh, I have quite a few and also not very many. Okay, (laughs) what does that even mean? It it really depends on my mood. So a lot of times I tend to actually be drawn to dancers that don't dance like myself, uh, which Mm. means non-exotic dancers. Great. Um, So I love Alberto Del Campo, um, who's a Cirque performer currently based in Las Vegas with his family. His whole family does circus. He's really incredible, but wow. he really, he utilizes, are you looking him up right now? I am. <laughs> He's fucking incredible. He's fucking incredible. So uh, the way that he just embodies physical acting within his movement and the quality of his transitional characters within his pieces are, it's just... <sighs> You know, as the theater kid in me, it just really speaks to my soul and my heart and just like, hmm, so good. <laughs> and then with that in mind, I'm also a huge fan of Yvonne Smink, who is both like one of the kindest souls that you could ever meet in person. Okay. Uh, but also just a, like the current innovator of our time, whereas Marlo was... Marlo was probably the previous generation's innovator and right. previous to that, all the strippers that created pole dancing... <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> tripping with the mother pole dancing. Uh, yes. The, they would be the original creators. So I would call personally for me, Yvonne Smink is the next creator of our generation. Okay. Or of our most recent generation. And part of that is just because she has not only created a lot of really interesting transitions that are now commonplace mm-hmm. in um, the pole community, she's just constantly as an individual expanding her repertoire to include any and every type of movement uh whether it's dance whether it's martial arts whether it's hip-hop or b-boy style like she's just constantly evolving um 
both her movement practice and her pole practice in a way that is just incredible to watch, especially for me because I've, I've been following her since before most people knew about her. Okay. Um, because I'm, I like to know things. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a huge stalker in terms of internet stalking on profiles, but that's what Instagram was made for, so I don't feel weird about it. Um, I need these tags later too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really enjoy, like those are probably my top two consistently impressed with um, these pole dancers. And then other people that I, I just would always and always recommend. I love Simona Royal, who is okay. a stripper and pole dancer out of Australia. I love Mariam Kramp, who yes. is, if you're into flexibility, she's just, she is a fairy. I don't know yeah. how she exists. She's Goals. also, again, such a kind human. And she just has this energy about you where I don't think I've ever met anybody who doesn't feel safe about Mar- around Mariam. Okay. And, um, She's just one of those people where you're like, wow, if everybody was as accepting and as vulnerable and as open as you were and are, like the world would be a better place. She's just one of those people, you know? <laughs> I love hearing and you can that. See that. Yes, you can see that in her movement as well. Obviously, um, Marlo Fiskin is yes. a huge innovator huge for our inspo. industry and just an incredible person again as well. Other smaller people that maybe you haven't heard of, depending on where you're located. I really love Kitty Valor. Okay. Um, I really love, uh, oh, fuck, Peach. Uh, <laughs> I'm Peach Lorraine. There we go. My brain just stopped in the middle of that. I'm so sorry, Peach Lorraine. <laughs> That's um, okay. And, and they're both out of the UK. Um, I love, uh, fuck, you know when you, like, try to think of people's names and all that's coming up is their Instagram handle. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I'm like, hey, what's your real name? Like, <laughs> <laughs> guilty uh, of that. <laughs> so, um, oh, fuck my brain. Mish, Mish out of New Zealand. Oh. I'm just going to say her Instagram handle. It's Miss Hellblazer. Okay. Um, Blazer with a Z. Uh, but <laughs> she is just an incredible pole dancer coming from New Zealand that is just like a powerhouse of a person and a powerhouse of a dancer. And she's just really incredible. Um, and then in terms of people in LA, I love Drusilla Ray. Yeah. She's a local artist here. She's her and Tito Jane. Are, yes. I feel like everybody already knows about them. I love them. They're, again, really great people, really beautiful pole dancers. I really admire the consistency that they put into their craft. And then like a mini shout out to my tour managing company. Uh, well, not mine, but the one that I'm part of. Alanis Bowen Management has some of the best Oh yeah, dancers, <laughs> Great especially out of there. the U.S. right now. They're For just sure. everyone on that roster is incredible. And then on top of that, Jazzy K out of Switzerland and yes. um, oh fuck my brain. And then Anakia <laughs> Jackson, who is uh, again on the ABM artist thing. So if you just go okay. to Atlantis Bullen Management. <laughs> You can find her there if you're not already <laughs> following her, which she should be. So I don't know. I guess it was like, I don't really have that many, but I could list a shit ton. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stop there. I feel, I feel like, like they got cool. a bunch of new follows now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, another question here, too. I guess we're switching gears. Um, what are some issues that you are currently following at the moment? Which I think is a big question. <laughs> it is a big question. Um, okay, so currently... The big one for me it, uh, right now is racial injustice and Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter movement and police brutality. Yes. Um, 
living in Los Angeles, I see a completely different version of police brutality that is not dictated or shown on media at all. Yes. Um, it's really frightening the shit that's happening in LA and some of the major cities. What's happening? Like the National Guard is still in Portland. Like I know. Our, and this again Awful. has to do with how Trump has made it acceptable to be not only racist but also proud within that racism, uh. and that allows the racism and the systematic racism within our government and our government entities like our police Mm -hmm. uh, to really be highlighted and obvious without any repercussions um, or accountability. And so for me right now, that's, that's a huge one, especially like I'm, I'm technically a white passing person of color. My dad is Lebanese Mm -hmm. and I, it took like, obviously 9-11, I had some like just a fucking shit a shit year trying to be an Arab girl in sixth grade after 9-11 happened. Like I wasn't allowed in school for two weeks because oh, my, God. my teachers were afraid of what kids would do and shit. And like, it was kids. a whole thing. Like, come but on. Even, yeah. So I didn't actually, I wasn't old enough to really understand what was happening. And I grew up in a small town, predominantly a white town. And mm-hmm. so like no one really even spoke to me about racism or how that was and is a thing. Yeah. I've personally never consciously treated anyone differently but now looking back and growing up and really understanding the nuances of racial relationships it's it's been really clear that like I've fucked up myself without knowing it and part of part of recognizing that is having really difficult conversations and stepping back and being like this isn't a negative conversation like you wouldn't Mm -hmm. yell at your coach for telling you what you did wrong in a poll pass or in um whatever practice and training situation that you're in right now that would require a coach. Uh, (laughs) But like you wouldn't get mad at your coach for telling you to do better and what you did wrong and how to fix it. So I don't understand personally why it's so difficult for so many people to recognize that like not only is the Black Lives Matter movement and and this issue of in terms of systematic racism, especially against the black community and other marginalized community, the indigenous population, like you can literally throw a stone and there's some type of systematic issue with every minority, especially in America, because we're so anti-socialist here, which is insane. But again, not my, whatever, not this (laughs) podcast. And so for me, again, it took one really intense racial event as an adult a young adult Mm -hmm. to to make sure that I've never tanned since I was 18 like I have never been dark and I'm doing that on purpose because I knew consciously that I was treated differently and better as someone with lighter skin and again it wasn't until recently that I was even able to identify why I did that and it was on such an subconscious primal level Mm -hmm. that like and so obviously a racial issue. Like, yeah. um, so I basically got super tan mm-hmm. for prom because my prom dress was tangerine. And then <laughs> when I tried to go to, uh, to college in Arizona, when I was going through TSA, they pulled me and tried to tell me that I was stealing someone's identity because this white girl in this photo does not look like me. And what? then I, and the, the way they pronounced my last, uh, my last name at the time was extremely white, but if you're from an Arabic community, or mm-hmm. really even if you're from a Latin community, you're more likely to uh, pronounce the last name with the. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, and uh, so like that was just terrifying to be told that I wasn't who I was, I was because yeah. of the because I 
tanned like every other fucking white girl I was yeah. around got tanned why didn't they get the same shit and part of it is because of the last name part of it is because when I'm tan I don't look like the same person um, right. because then you can very obviously tell that I'm not a white person only and so like really oh having God. that one experience and then later in life recognizing why I made that choice and not only why but how that has then since privileged me to have these more difficult conversations from a different perspective than necessarily just how white people would have these conversations. Wow. Where what I find is, no offense, white people, but (laughs) we, and I'll say we, because I was, again, one of you. I am one of you. I'm like half one of you. Uh, and, And when I was, before I was conscious about all of these things, and really able to recognize them, it was this idea of like, well, I'm going to tell you this hard thing, but then I'm going to also tell you all that you're doing a great job too. And like kind of diminish the problem that I'm bringing to you. And so having a difficult conversation with a lighter skinned person of color, I feel has the safety that many white people feel that they need because for whatever reason, uh, and not really whatever reason, it does make sense that so many white people would assume that people of color are angry and that every conversation around race is going to be an angry and divisive conversation. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because you can clearly see how fucked society is yeah. and how terrible it treats people of color specifically and especially darker people of color. Yes. And so you recognize that there's an issue, you recognize that there is anger there, and yet you still refuse to have the conversation. And this is a general you, not necessarily a specific you yeah. listener. Um, <laughs> having those conversations is, imp- is it's imperative. And again, coming at it from this idea of more of a coach-like conversation where mm-hmm. the coach is not going to let you get away with shit because they want you to be better or trying to get to the next level, the next stage, the next competition, whatever like metaphor you want to go with there. And coming into that conversation with a person of color or with even just another white person and and taking the accountability and recognizing your own actions and just putting them outside of yourself and back into the community instead like it's not yeah. about you it's no. about all of us yes and if you're actively claiming that you're not racist and you don't believe you are and again i'm i'm personally believe that humans are good at heart and yeah. that as a base we're good people So if you believe yourself to be a good person, then it's not you that we need to fight, but your experience is different and that needs to be recognized. And on top of that, you need to use your different experience to change the experience for others. And you do that again by having conversations and by taking accountability for your own actions. People are able to change. I believe that, but you have to put in the effort. Amen. Oh my gosh. Anyways, Thank you for that. 30 million rant. No, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I think we have some lighter questions here as well. Um, Yay. <laughs> obviously, because you live in LA, do you have any celebrity encounters? If so, what are the best and the worst? Oh, I have so many. So Jason Momoa is a doll. Ah, yes. As hot in person. Um, I'm Agreed. not a huge fan of the people he hangs out with because they're kind of shitty to sex workers, but that's oh, fine. No. They're also drunk, so it's one of those things. Uh, <laughs> but they tip well, so I'm not that mad. Um, Jason Momoa, you're beautiful. Thank yes. you for your presence on this earth. Agreed. Um, one of the guys from, this is not so much a bad experience, more just an experience. 
<laughs> one of the guys, the, I never remember his name, from Sons of Anarchy. Okay. The big scary one with the mustache. Okay. No, I know, I know what you're like talking about. He's like a wrestler, but isn't a wrestler. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> I tell people, and they know because they watch Sons of Anarchy, I don't. You figure it out. Google it, whatever. <laughs> he came in and he got a dance from me. And I was like not in the right mindset to be hustling <laughs> right then. <laughs> like at all. And he was like, you know, when they're trying to have conversations with you and I'm like, yep. oh, I don't want to, I'm not going to be your fantasy right now. Like, I just want to go back to like talking to the people I was talking to, like, I'm <laughs> shit, like about your $20. Thank you. Um, so he kept being like, oh yeah, I bet you were a naughty girl growing up. Like, you know, that shit oh, that they're like, that's what you're there for. Yeah. You chose the wrong night to get that from me though, sir. And I apologize. So I like, <laughs> No, I was actually a pretty good kid growing up. Um, you know, because I rode horse. Like, I was, just, I was just telling him my real life story. He, like, did, probably did not want to hear that. He did not want to hear it. I was like, do you want another? And he's like, no, no. thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> not great. <laughs> That's fine for me. No, totally. I have so, done that before, too. Sometimes I'm just like, I... <sighs> Like, I'm not going to just, like, sometimes when I'm in a bad mood and I'm hustling, I'm just like, I really shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> and I'm just, like, so literal. Yeah, like, it's just a lot. It's fucking funny. Um, but, but yeah, it's funny I have a lot us. of celebrity encounters. Mostly, I know that this is a thing that people think, and I thought this again, too. You're like, oh, my God, you must see celebrities all the time. Do you talk to them? And you're like... No. no, and I feel like as a sex worker, especially not because I don't want some fucking customer coming up to me while I'm on the street, my civilian clothes, yeah. not prepared to be like Jordan Kensley. And right now I'm just Jordan, like in fucking yeah. sunglasses and stoned and like in my pajamas getting <laughs> coffee. Like, I don't want to talk to you. Don't talk to me. No. So like, no. that's kind of the attitude that most Angelinos take with celebrities. Yeah. I agree. Unless you're trying to do something and then you're like, excuse me, sir and or madam, would you please look at my pitch? Thank you. Yay. <laughs> but again, that's not really the industry I'm in. So I don't have any fun stories. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's my fun story. I think that was great. I, I think a lot of Thank sex you. workers would really appreciate that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really great kid. <laughs> I have a um, college degree. <laughs> <laughs> I think these next two questions came from Cis Males, if I remember. Okay, and, let's do it, Cis Males. Let's see. I'm going to uh, put you on a super high pedestal. Don't disappoint me. Yeah, like, and you don't have to answer them if you don't want to. If, you, if I answer <laughs> these questions, I expect a Venmo and, and right? or a Cash App. There you for go. For minimum $20. It's at Jordan <laughs> Kensley. Okay. All right, first question from a Cis Male. What is the biggest tip that you've ever received from a client? I don't know why this is always such a question. And I always get it. Oh, often. that's always a question because men want to know who they're competing against yeah. <laughs> and what level they're competing against. Like, if I'm a super high end stripper and my biggest tip is a thousand dollars, then someone who can only tip me twenty is not usually going to be like, "Oh, well, I can afford you." It goes back to oh, that family, yeah, yeah. You know, where I'm. This is true. I'm the hot girl in high school that you weren't allowed to talk to. So, what's it going to take for me to talk to you? Right. Oh, you're still too expensive. Cool. So you're still the hot girl I can't talk to. Anymore. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, the largest tip, I'm still waiting on that. It, feel free to send what you think the biggest tip yeah. uh, that I deserve is. 
Like, I'm going to put that back on you, sir. <laughs> at Jordan Kensley. Jordan Kensley poll at gmail.com for PayPal. <laughs> you better pay for the conversion rate. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm um, going to actually plug this in the show notes below. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm a huge fan of big tip energy. Yes. And I expect that from you. 100% <laughs> agreed. <laughs> and this next one, again, I'm pretty sure came from a cis male. Will you ever consider escorting? Actually, I have considered that. Um, mm-hmm. It's not legal in the U.S., so it's not oh. something for me that I would personally do. I'd have to move to Vegas, and I'd rather do any – like, I would almost rather move back to Ohio than live in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason that I've thought of it as before is because I have many friends who do do full-service sex, sex work, work. Yes. Which does include escorting mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes. Very not always. Um, <laughs> so having those conversations really – it, it showcases not only like it forces you to kind of recognize your own boundaries, which for me, that is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also recognizes how much privilege certain people have with the ability to do stripping yes. versus other forms of sex work or camming versus in-person sex work. Like there's, there is privilege within the sex work ladder yes, and there full is. service sex work while still again being work. Not everybody who does full sex work doesn't want to. Many mm-hmm. people enjoy it in the same way that many people enjoy stripping, in the same way that many people enjoy camming. People enjoy being slutty. Get over it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> with that, full service sex work is also extremely dangerous, mm-hmm. just inherently, and especially in places where it's considered illegal. Yeah. Like America. Additionally, because of SETSA and FOSTA, our full service sex work industry has become ex- extremely unsafe, even yes. more so than it already was. And a mini backstory, SETSA and FOSTA is a federally implemented bill yes. slash law mm-hmm. that is disguised as an anti-sex trafficking law, but is really diminishing the sex work side of life yeah. uh, to the point. And it's also making it harder to find sex trafficking victims to begin exactly. with. Exactly, yeah. So SETSA and FOSTA basically says that and this is also why shadow banning became a very huge thing is because of this law. It basically holds online internet platforms as legally responsible as the people in the transactionary sex work, if you will. Yeah. So if I'm a person who's looking to pay somebody for sex or for what have you, and then I'm also the person accepting that work, normally it would just be us who would be in trouble. Yeah. Now it is also the platform like Craigslist, like mm-hmm. Instagram, like yep. Facebook that will also be sued at the same level and then also higher because now they're considered a pimp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many companies have then banned and stopped any access to the sites that most sex workers were using to, yeah. um, advertise kind of inter- yeah advertise and interview clients and right. specifically the interview process is what's really fucked now mm-hmm. because not only were there different groups so that we could check applications if you will against each other's experiences like has yeah. anyone worked with this person are they good are they bad cool won't work with them will work with them thanks for the tip on the money like yeah and now that that has kind of disappeared entirely from our options of safety it has made full service sex work entirely unsafe and specifically again 
marginalized communities like the trans community uh, are most affected by this because yes. many states in the U.S. still allow a trans um, trans panic or gay panic law, mm-hmm. which oh. is a law that allows you to legally murder a trans person or a gay person because what? you were surprised that they were trans and or gay. How is it allowed? What because the America hates people. Oh my god! Oh, this makes me so <sighs> angry. That's considered a socialist, uh, a socialist issue. Jesus, you know, because it's equality. Based. Oh my god! So again, full, going back to full service sex work, I personally won't, but I do have a lot of friends who do, and that yeah. is another issue that again, going back to that other question that I'm very passionate about because sex work is work, and again, we need the same laws protecting us. Yes. That that other industries have. Yeah, that and are afforded again, to. it's a my body, my choice situation. But if, and what I personally believe is part of the issue is if we allow my body, my choice autonomy within sex work, then it will either gravitate into the abortion, the abortion issue or mm-hmm. vice versa. If we allow abortions to be a choice basis and not completely illegal, like some states are trying to do right now, oh, then we would have to, and in almost immediately, I would imagine that there would be multiple cases brought against the Supreme Court as a an issue of bodily autonomy, mm-hmm. specifically to do with sex work. Wow. And wow. how we treat sex workers. Yes. So there's like a, <laughs> again, a whole thing. <laughs> Anyways, no. There's so many topics. Work, but you can tip me for this question. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the last question is, any advice for moms who are sex workers? It seems so controversial to be both. It's definitely controversial to be both. Again, mm-hmm. that virgin versus whore complex, although technically yeah. you're not a virgin anymore. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you adopted. Either way, congratulations <laughs> on your tiny human. Um, <laughs> I personally don't have any experience in this, and mm-hmm. so any information or advice I give, please take it with a grain of salt because I can't speak from my personal experiences. I can only speak from other conversations I've witnessed or have had myself. Right. Um, I personally believe that you're in one of the toughest, like the toughest, I guess, questions for you to answer right now is yeah. how, how to be a mother and a sex worker, because we, we pride mothers. We love mothers. Everybody loves their mom for the yeah. most part. And if you don't, you're taught that you should, Yeah. you know, gaslighting and all that jazz. But then we <laughs> hate sex workers and we hate women. But we're always somebody's daughter or somebody's mother, but we're never just somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's really the issue, the underlying issue, in my personal opinion, with this question. And again, why we need to change the narrative around sex work is that's still a job. Yes. And a working mom is a working mom is a working mom, whether you're at home working on your fucking house and with your kids or you're an office working, trying to make money and then taking care of your kids or if you're in a fucking club trying to make money and then taking care of your kids. Like either way, you're putting in energy and you're putting in time and you're putting in effort to create the best life that you can mm-hmm. for your children in whatever that means to you. And so for me, I, I, the advice that I would give is if you are going to do it, one, obviously be safe. Yeah, of I course. would hope that you have a village supporting you, but I imagine that you probably don't. So I would include in the conversation very few people that you trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how your partner feels about about that. I would hope that they support you yeah. in, in that job as well as they would in any other job. But I know that that's also like a huge issue. And if you don't have a partner at home, then I hope that you have 
either a, a parental unit or a familiar unit or like a community unit, friends, cousins, what have you. Yeah, the some other kind of support network. You know, for sure. Yes, to help you with not only taking care of your child, but also making sure that you're safe. I would, I would highly suggest that you have some type of support unit before going back to work. In terms of whether or not you should go back to work, that is a question you have to answer for yourself. Yes. And that, I mean, dealing with the pandemic alone, I've had to fly back to the Midwest for two different occasions, both family emergencies. So I had to go, it wasn't like a, maybe I will, maybe I won't. And just leaving my cats behind was so difficult that like, oh, I'm now cool. currently reconsidering, like, should I even tour again? What about my cats? Like, so I can only <laughs> imagine having to try to make that decision when you have a tiny human baby or middle school age, like, you know, any age your child is, it's still your child and you're still going to, like, I would still rather be hanging out with them (laughs) than hanging out with people who ask, what's the biggest tip you've got? Gosh, I know. (laughs) No offense, sir. Um, Well, if, if um, this listener is listening to this episode, you can also listen to episode 43 and 47. We definitely touch on that subject. Actually, 43 is all about motherhood and, and returning back to work. So um, as a sex worker and also like, you know, juggling a newborn baby. So that and then also 47. So well, yeah, 47 also touches on that as well and trying to find that balance. So some resources there. But um, Jordan, before I let you go, where can we find yeah. you? You can find me on the internet and on Venmo. Um, <laughs> both are at Jordan Kensley, which mm-hmm. is just my name spelled exactly like that. No spaces or anything. Okay. J-O-R-D-A-N-K-E-N-S-L-E-Y. You can technically visit my website, which is jordankensley.com. I have not updated it in four years, so it will <laughs> look nothing like I do now and have no updated information. But <laughs> you can reach me there. It still has a reach out section, which is nice. Um <laughs> And then technically I'm on Twitter with the same handle. Basically, if you just look up Jordan Kensley, you'll probably find me. We'll find you. <laughs> uh, I was on TikTok, but I got banned within four, four videos. What? So I'm no longer on TikTok. <laughs> uh, and I don't know how Twitter works. So I'm not, I'm technically on Twitter, but I don't tweet. That's okay. <laughs> I would suggest Instagram. And if you're a man who's trying to follow me on Instagram, you will have to send me a tip in order for me to accept you. So you just tip me and then send me your Instagram handle, and then I will accept you into my private, beautiful domain. There we go. Which is mostly me talking about issues of activism that I care about. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> but oh I my do gosh. It almost naked. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> Jordan, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for shedding light to so many issues that I honestly, I didn't know how bad. I mean, I knew, <laughs> as a yeah, Canadian, I, I feel like I, I know a little bit about America, but then now I feel like, oh my God, it's even worse than I thought. Yeah. Well, again, so our, many our media does a shit job at really spreading light on the issue. And that has to do with unchecked capitalism. Yes. Oh, my gosh. America. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show um, with me this week. It's going to be Strip by Sia on Instagram. Also, my personal Sia stuff and new episodes, as you may know, every single Sunday. We'll see you and talk with everyone next week. Bye. You're listening to Strip by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia, 
artwork by Maria Bellantarama, music by Ted D, and photography by Ian Dabern. Thank <laughs> you.